We're open, we're open. We give you glory and honor and praise. Put your hands together and give God the best praise you have today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to stand before you this afternoon. I have been um, just enjoying uh, being a recipient of the things that have been spoken and said all weekend long. Um, and so uh, it is a daunting task to try to uh, kind of put a, a capsule on uh, our afternoon sessions. Uh, really excited about tonight, but uh, it is my desire to really kind of give definition to um, the theme of this particular year, uh, it, and it is I Am Revealed. Uh, so today I'm going to be teaching on I Am That I Am, and like I said last night, it's kind of a part two uh, of the message that we ministered last night. How many were here last night? Amen. Amen. The Lord short, certainly met us. Uh, and so it is my, again, desire to really kind of uh, put some, uh, put a little bit of practicality um, to the word last night. Uh, one of the things that is important for us to understand is that preaching uh, has, a, has a purpose uh, to really kind of be a battering ram uh, to our spirit and just kind of just force feed us with information and knowledge. And a lot of times in the preaching method, you know, it's just, amen, yes, ooh, that's good, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, but, but teaching has a way of setting us and giving us some steps and some tools uh, into uh, the next movement that God would have for us. So this, that's certainly not to say that preaching isn't necessary. Preaching is absolutely necessary, uh, but so is teaching as well. Uh, and so my, my hope and my desire uh, is to begin to teach uh, this afternoon about literally uh, mirroring and reflecting uh, the fact that we were made in God's image and in his likeness. Uh, and the way that the Lord was giving this to me um, as we're talking about I am that I am, uh, it, it was kind of, and I, I'm going to do the best I can to describe what I saw and how I feel it. Um, the I am is God speaking to us and it is the that I am is us saying that. Um, and so I'm going to do my best to try to uh, to kind of mirror what I'm hearing from the Holy Ghost uh, with my words and gestures and, um, and and revelation so that you can get a complete and full picture of it. Uh, so it's like God saying I am and then we say back to him that I am. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense and it will uh, by the grace of God. Again, Father, help me to preach and teach and to uh, impart this word in Jesus name. All right. Are y'all ready? Get your pens out, your papers out. Let's do this. Uh, I want to open up by, by, by talking to us about who we are um, as human beings. And I, I touched on it last night near the end of the, uh, of the message. Um, and, and it's really interesting um, because the word human is a hybrid word. And I, I'm just going to start by saying this, that God creates and does nothing without purpose and precision, and that the Father um, is the ultimate planner, designer, and creator. Uh, and one of the patterns that we see in Scripture is that God creates the environment or the context before he creates the content or the individual or individuals or the thing that is going to uh, inhabit that particular environment or context. 
all right, simply stated, he created the sky before he created a star. <laughs> he created an ocean before he created a fish. And, you know, <laughs> this is going to be funny for my ECUs. He created a field before he created a cow or a deer. <laughs> oh, it's an inside joke. Y'all like, what? what's so funny about that? Uh, it's an inside joke. I'm going to tell you later. Uh, but that, I simply said that to say that, that God creates the environment before he creates the thing that is going to occupy that environment. Amen. And so mankind is not, is no exception to that. So we begin in, in Genesis chapter number one, um, verses six through eight. Uh, we begin there and, and obviously the preceding verses one through five deal with the creation uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, etc., and etc. We 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 know that. Um, but one of the things that I I just want to highlight, uh, let's look at verse number six, seven, and eight, and, and hopefully we're going to begin to pull something out of there that you've never seen before, and maybe if you have heard it, just 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 act like you haven't. Amen. Uh, verse number six says this, and then God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters." And let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament what? Heaven. Notice that is a, it is a, a capital H, heaven, which means that it is a proper noun, a proper place. This is different or a distinction between verse number, I think, two where it says he created the heavens and the earth. Notice that the word capital H, heaven, is in between the firmaments. Okay, this word firmaments deals with uh, the literal Hebrew word for space or expansion. Okay, so I want you to begin to see this and think about this. So what he was saying is that there was, and we are to walk in an atmosphere called heaven. Or where mankind is supposed to live is in the glory and in the environment that is sustained by heaven's normal. I want you to really see that. That before, this is even before the serpent, this is before the apple, this is before the trees. The way that God had designed earth between the firmaments or the space or the expanse, he called it what? Heaven. Think about that. Heaven on earth. We say that all the time, but literally that is in the scriptures. We are supposed to be living in heaven's normal atmosphere here on earth. That was before there was any sin on the earth. Okay. Everyone say atmospheres. Atmosphere, uh, atmosphere is a response to influence or the prevailing thought from a natural perspective. The atmosphere is the temperature it is the gases that are in the earth and it is invisible or what we would say is the spirit realm. OK, so previously stated the words that we speak, what God was creating, he was creating an atmosphere. He was creating steam or literally this word uh, vapor or a fog was to be surrounding the atmosphere here on earth. You ever had a, a fire at your house like you burn the toast or, the, or, or something in the oven? And you start, you may be upstairs or in another room, and what you don't see anything necessarily, but you start smelling something. 
and then you go into the kitchen and, and, the, and the kitchen is fogged, that is an atmosphere. That is something that you are experiencing in, in, in an invisible, at one point, an invisible place. Further out, away from the kitchen, you smelled something, you didn't see it, but when you got closer to it, you saw something. And so we, we, want, we really want to understand the importance of creating an atmosphere, okay? Now, now watch this. I want you to see this. There are seven realms of what we call the heavens in the Hebrew mind. Every place that you see the word heavens or atmosphere in the scriptures is not the same word. Meaning that it does not have the same meaning. Okay? Sorry I don't have, I have this up here. Uh, but the first one, write it down. D-O-K, Duke, is the, is the Hebrew word for the entire universe or the entire atmosphere. That's Isaiah chapter 40 verse, oh, thank you, uh, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 22 on it. Awesome. The second one is Rakia, which deals with the stars, the moon, the galaxies. That's Genesis 1 and 17. All right. The third one is, is, is really what this verse is, uh, was saying is atmosphere. This is also found in Psalm 78, 23, verse 23 and 24. Zakul is the habitation of the holy things. That's Isaiah 63 and 15. Verse 5 is Ma'on, the place where angels dwell and sing. That's uh Psalms 42 and verse 9. And then Machon is the, uh, the, the location of the storehouses of rain. You know, when precipitation, the snow, that there is already in the atmosphere. That's this word, all right? And then there's Avarut, which is the storehouses of life, peace, blessings, the spirits of righteousness, where the throne of God, the throne of glory sits, okay? These are the different types or realms of the heavens, in the scripture, okay? What I'm doing is I'm just setting you up to help, to help you understand and see a broader context of who God is. So whenever God talks about the heavens or we're shifting the atmospheres, we need to know exactly what we're talking about. Okay? Let's just keep going here. I, I just, I don't want to be too, too long, but I'm going to take my time. Is that okay? So watch this. After a while, an atmosphere becomes an environment. After a while or after an, after an atmosphere has set in a particular place, it becomes an environment. All right. So think about this for a moment. If you grew up in a particular type of household and the atmosphere is, is, is loving, its atmosphere is, is kind, like grandma's house, for an example, you, the environment you walk into is like, oh, I love coming to grandma's house. Because the atmosphere is, is, is such that over time, the environment, in fact, you know, we, let me say it like this. We live in a generation that does not even have a lot of, I don't want to offend anybody. Let me say it like this. We're too familiar. And we don't take the time to be specific about developing particular atmospheres and environments. And what happens is, after a while, we don't care what goes on in our environment and in our atmosphere, and we just allow anything to happen. And so we have to be conscientious about our atmospheres because our atmospheres are going to create an environment. Okay? So let's keep going. So I want you, I want you to just really establish the fact that, that it was always God's intention 
for us to live in an atmosphere and an environment of heaven. All right? I just want to establish that first and foremost. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter number two. This is where it gets, gets good. All right? So, God has created a context for man. The context is what? Heaven's normal. That the atmosphere on earth is to be heavenly. All right? Let's go to Genesis chapter number two. Verses 1 through 7. This is where you and I come in the picture. All right. Verse number 1 says this. Thus the heavens. Notice that word heavens is lowercase verse. And it is plural. And the earth were finished. And all the host of them. So God had completed all the seven realms of the heavens at this point. And then he says he's, he's finished. And then on the seventh day God finished his work. That he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Verse four. These are the generations of the what? Heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God had made the heaven or the earth rather and the heavens. So I want you to begin to see a broader perspective of your atmosphere and your environments. That God had already set it up. The context, the environment was already set up. All right. We know Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, 7 and 8 said, let us create what? Man after he had already created the context for man. All right. Walk with me here. But watch this. Verse number 5 is where the, the, the plot thickens. Okay, I want you to see this. Verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small part of the plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. Watch this. And there was no what? To work the ground. And the mist was coming up from the land, and the watering of the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the what man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature now you say well i i, I missed it okay here's here's what i want you to see in genesis chapter 1 verse 26 7 and 8 god had already determined i'm going to make man in my own image and in my own likeness i'm going to pull female and uh, create male and female at this point in chapter number two is when he literally begins to form man. Bishop Nelson talked about, I was like, dang it, he's already in my stuff. This is what Bishop Nelson was talking about. How in chapter one, man was a spirit. But in chapter two, man became a human. Okay, it's on, it's on, okay. So we see two dynamics working here, right? We see that there is a problem. That God said there's no man to take care of what I've already created. Here's what I want you to see, beloved. If we're going to walk in the fullness of our I amness, we first have to understand that we were created for a reason, for a problem. So never make the mistake of thinking, I, I have no purpose. There's nothing for me to do. No, 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 no. Man was originally created to solve a problem. Yeah. 
Man was originally created because there was a void or a gap. So after God had created all this, he said, I have a problem here because there's no one here to carry out and manage and take care of what I have already created. So in order for me to, to, to legally do this thing, it's not just going to be spiritual. It has to be natural as well. Oh, I'm getting excited. So there was rain, or, or, or rather he said, I gotta, I, I, gotta, I gotta make sure there's rain to make sure that the vegetation is going, but I, I also have to make sure that there is somebody on the earth to till it and take care of it. So we see the rain and we see the tilling as heaven's cooperation and partnership. Let me say it like this. So when you are receiving revelation from heaven, so when God is raining down information on you, listen, I love what uh, uh, Dr. Jones said. He said, you know, it's not for you to put a praise on it. I'm, I kept saying, it's for you to put a plow on it. I got a word. Oh, well, praise God. But the word is a seed. And a seed has to be cultivated. And that seed was planted in the ground of your heart so that you can cultivate it and manage it. <laughs> so let's look at verse number seven again. Let's look at this. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And listen, pay attention. And man became a living being. And man became a living being. Wasn't I already living before I was a man? Yes and no. You were spirit. And literally that word man literally means Adam or mankind, which deals with the essence or the spirit being. But he says when he breathed into it after he had formed it, that's when he became a human. <laughs> or raw or flesh. That's literally what that means. So write this down, H-U-M-U-S, humus, H-U-M-U-S, H-U-M-U-S, literally means the dust, and the word man, M-A-N, deals with the spirit or the essence of an individual. This is why when you say mankind, that includes females. So the word human literally is a hybrid of humus and man, you have a human being. So you were not created in the earth just to be a spirit. We were created in the earth to be a hybrid of someone who is connected to the spiritual things, but is able to have natural impact. Does that make sense to you? Let's keep going. All right. So verse 15 of chapter number two, I've already, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. The Bible says this, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. So now we see again that the essence of why we are here is to get work done. <laughs> the essence of why we are here is to get work done, to tend to it and to keep it, which literally means to, to work it or to labor for it or the word husbandry. We want to say husbandry. See this, is, see, this is why, oh Jesus, I'm about to get in trouble here. This is why when people, I just want a husband, I'm just so lonely, I'm just so lonely. You have to understand that the word husband means a cultivator. Uh -oh. So 
I just want a husband means you want to submit to be cultivated. Uh -uh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you're so lonely. What do you mean? Because you, after six months, you're going to be like, would this man leave my Come on, play with the boys. <laughs> but it literally means to be cultivated. And to shamar means to protect it. So he's given us something, what God has given you, your identity, your calling, the mission that you have been given. God puts it in your hand and says, cultivate it and guard it. Cultivate it and guard it. Some somebody say, cultivate it and guard it. That means that your relationships, that means that your decisions, that means that your money, that means that, that any resource that you have has to be filtered through the lens of this does not belong to me. I have to make sure that I'm guarding and cultivating and keeping what has been given to me. Hello, parents. Oh, Jesus. So the purpose of why you were created was for his pleasure. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. So it says this, for it is God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So, 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 this, is, so this is really key because uh, Dr. Jones talked about this Thursday night uh, about learning the difference between preferences and purpose. Because we live in such a preference-driven society, when our preferences don't match the purpose of God, we tap out, I'm mad, I'm angry, they didn't sing my song, they didn't call my name, nobody likes me, blah, 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 blah. We get into depression, not understanding that you were not called for you. You were called to bring pleasure to God. Don't say, I am revealed. We're working on something here, all right? Watch this, all right? So watch this. The, the fall... In nature, Adam's issue, when he fell, not, Lord, help me to say this. Thank you for saying, the prophet said, I say it all the time, sin makes you dumb. Let's get some deliverance and be honest. Has God ever delivered any of us out of a sin cycle? And then we look back and go, but for All of a sudden, she became ugly. All of a sudden, his teeth, you noticed his teeth was missing. All the Like, why was I even attracted? What was wrong with me? Why did I spend my money on all of Because sin makes you dumb. Okay, for those who are, sin blinds you. You're walking around in a fog and then the, I can see clearly. I said that to say, when Adam fell, his perspective of himself also fell. I said this uh, last night, that one of the things that we so often do not talk about is that salvation comes to restore identity. We just always talk about, you know, I'm saved from sin, I'm going to heaven. Well, that's that is a byproduct. And if that were the case, if that see, Lord help me, 
See, see, this is why we need to be transitioned in our minds. I'm talking about that in just a minute. Because if, if, if the Holy, if the purpose of the Holy Ghost was simply to get you to heaven, then after you got through slobbering and sneezing and crying, then you would have died and been translated. It doesn't make sense. Because as soon as you get sick, you pray to stay alive. But isn't heaven your home and you ready to go to heaven? Then why are you praying to stay alive on earth? Because you were designed, a part of our assignment in the earth is to reveal God. And how is God going to be revealed if we're not here on earth? You are a human <laughs> hybrid. Okay, let me keep going. I I'm going somewhere. I'm, I I'm going somewhere. So, so watch this. The fall of Adam was catastrophic and detrimental to our identity. Why? Because man abdicated and lost his position in the earth. Hear this. So this is why in, in Matthew chapter number four, when Jesus was being tempted of the devil, he was able to offer Jesus the kingdoms of this world. Why? Because Adam had literally displaced himself from a seat of authority. And because Adam advocated his authority, okay, y'all remember, okay, let me just say it like this. Y'all remember coming to America? Who doesn't, right? And at the very end, when they're on the train, and he's like, I would give up my throne for all of this. She was like, yeah, don't do that, right? I renounce my throne, right? That's what Adam did. I renounce my identity. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. He said, I'm gonna rather, I'd rather plug into the system of the earth than to have my resources from heaven. Because he was already like God. And he said, no, it's more convenient for me to be, watch this, to be in a right horizontal relationship. I don't want to make my wife mad, so let me go ahead and take this fruit than it is to please my father. And see, some of us do the exact same thing. I would rather make my friend happy, my mama happy, my daddy happy, my pastor happy than to please the father. And when we do that, we are displacing ourselves in our identity. And that's why, and this is why those people are the, watch this, the resources for our affirmation. Do you like me? Do you like me? What do you see on my life, prophetess? And God, I can see, I can see the Father going, hey, I've been trying to keep, I've been trying to tell you, you're telling you to get up and talk to me, but you're too tired. I sent a word the other week, but you wanted me to open up the ceiling and give you this loud booming voice when I'm trying to help you to see I'm already in you and I've been pushing you towards your destiny all this time. But it's not preaching. That's not what I called you to do. But I just want to be called of God. No, 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 no. You need to know who you are. Going somewhere. Say, I am revealed. Say it again. Say, I am revealed. So watch this. I'm about to make some of us upset. That's good. So our attempt to reclaim this position and standing with God 
listen, was the breeding and the birthing ground for the spirit of religion to dominate. I am going to say that again. Our attempt to reclaim our position and standing with God has been the birthing and the breeding ground for the spirit of religion to dominate. Okay, watch. God established the law to govern and adjudicate the behavior of men. But it does nothing for the internal condition of the heart. Okay? Walk with me here, buddy. Put your thinking cap on. So after Adam and Eve had sinned, we eventually get to Exodus in Moses, and he is known as the what? The lawgiver. Right? That he would literally stand in between God and the people. And God would say to Moses, hey, come up. I'm going to give you the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. And so that the people of God can, can, can begin to get some order and some structure in their life. Right? Notice what happened during this whole course. The people were afraid of God. Hear me. No, you go talk to him, Moses. You just tell us what he said, and we'll just comply. We, no, no, no. We saw the lightning, and we're afraid of God. No, no, no. You just go talk to him. You just be our go-between, right? So here's Moses on the mountain, and literally while he is getting a download, they are having orgies, idolatry. They're doing all of this stuff. Now watch this. Get to the New Testament, we see that the Bible says that the law is the ministry of death. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I told you I'm about to get in trouble. Because they were so caught up, listen, in, in obeying the law. Oh, we can't do this on the Sabbath. Oh, we can't do this. And not understanding the purpose of the law was to reveal that they could not live up to the image of God without his help. All it did was to tell you how much you needed God. That was the purpose of the law. At the end of the day, all 613 laws, the Ten Commandments, all that was to do was to point you to one person, Jesus Christ. So we get to the New Testament, watch this. And so you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are experts in the law. And here comes Jesus, listen, who comes to fulfill the law. The Bible says he is full of what? Grace and truth. So he is not abolishing the law or disrespecting the law in the sense of saying that it wasn't necessary. But he comes to fulfill it literally means to bring it to an end. Watch this, I'm going somewhere, right? Now, 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 I need you to see this. I'm about to help you right here. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter number 9, verses 5 through 18. I'm, I'm just going to skip around here. But Hebrews chapter 9, verses 5 through 18. Look, it says, Above it were the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of the things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, uh, but he is once a year without the taking of blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places 
is not uh, is not yet only opened as long as the first section is standing still. I'm gonna skip down to verse number eleven. It says, "But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent." Not having been made by hands, that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and by calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Here it is, verse 13. For with the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the, by the defiled persons with the ashes of heifer, heifers, sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more... Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, listen, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, Apostle, why'd you read all that? Here's what he is saying, because this is so important that you get this. Hear this, because what's going to happen is as you are. This is a prophetic. Lift your hands as you are coming into your identity. The enemy is going to try to trip you up with your past and try to get you back into performance works and into a, 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 a sense of law. But I just declare in Jesus' name that you are who you are by the grace of God. Now watch this. I need you to understand this. So here it is. I'm almost where I want to be. Here it is. He says all of the old things of the past, the old covenant, the killing of the animals, the sprinkling of the blood, the first and second and third dimensions of the temple. He says all of that was done to fulfill the requirements. But listen what it said. Here comes Jesus now as the high priest. Who does away with these things that, listen, the Bible says that defiled men offered. He's saying even though they follow instructions, it does not live up to the expectations of being able to cleanse your consciousness. Oh, Jesus. So he says, now here is Christ who takes himself, the blood that was slain from before the foundations of the world. And offers that blood on the mercy seat in heaven and deals with your issues so that you can come to God, not because, listen, not because you did everything right, but because he did everything right, I can be covered. So not only, oh Jesus, because can we be honest for just a moment? Because people can forget what you did and people can be ignorant of your sin, but at the heart of it, you know what you did. You know where you were. I may not know, God may not tell somebody what you did, where you were, but, but you know. But he said, there's provisions for that in the blood of Jesus. Watch this. So you now have access to his presence yes. into the Holy of Holies yes. in the temple. Oh, God. And so the veil has been torn so you can have access and have a clean slate before God. Tell you, well, why is that important? 
Because you got to be able to come boldly into the throne and say, I am that I am. You got to be able to come boldly and say, no, that's not me. That's the old me. I died. Um, you know what? One of the things that I, I'm going to just throw this in here for free. One of the things that the Lord's been really dealing with me on, and this may even be the theme for next year's IDCon, is reformation. Lord, help me. Because we're, we're experts in doctrinal truths. But we really don't even believe what we teach and preach. Oh, I'm trying to be careful. need to be baptized, and I believe in being baptized 100%. The Bible says you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, period. Point blank. Not up for debate. But if we believe that the water was a burial, how is it that the one who died in the water is resurrected the next day? Well, I, we have to die daily. What do you mean? Do you mean you got to be baptized every day? Well, the Apostle Paul said I die daily. Well, let's go back and read that. Because in Romans chapter 7, it says that man died. For in Christ you died. For in Christ you died. Go back and read it. For in Christ you died. You are a new man in Christ. You, in Christ. So I got to kill the old man. Well, when did he? What? Didn't you crucify him yesterday? So he resurrected in your sleep? When you were asleep, he came back alive? Is that what you said? <laughs> Some of y'all understand what I'm saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? So you won't be confused. What I'm saying is either he died or he didn't die. And if he died, listen, you feel like he's still alive. Listen carefully. Because your mind has not been renewed in who you really are. So the problem isn't sin. The problem is ignorance. So what do you want Jesus to do? Go down the cross for your sins again? What do you, I'm serious, kind of. What do you need to do? Go be baptized again? No, at some point you got to believe that what happened, happened. Watch this. We don't like that because what that means is, guess where the responsibility falls back on? some deliverance. No, you don't. The devil got kicked out last week, not unless you let him back in. And the reason why you let him back in is because you didn't believe he really was gone. You know why? Because you felt like sinning again and you thought he was still there. No! The problem is your mindset has not been renewed in who you are! I just, it didn't work. I need to fast and pray and fast and pray. For, but why? Now listen to me. I, I, I am all for fasting and praying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But to what end? Because that's what they told you to do? Or because that is what is necessary for you? 
We don't read the Bible. Because Jesus said this, why are you fasting when the bridegroom is with you? Well, we gotta fast. They said, for what? I'm walking with you. You can touch me. You can ask me questions. I'm right here. Pass the fish. What do you mean go fast? Well, for why? I'm challenging your religiosity. I'm, I'm trying to help you to see that the context in which we are to live in is heaven's normal. All right. All right. <laughs> Say, I am, I am. revealed. Now, now here's how here's how Jesus dealt with this because some of you need to are are are, are, are just not understanding what I'm saying. Let me show you. Go to Matthew chapter five. And, and for sake of time, we're not going to read all of it, but I want to reference verses 17 through 48. And this is what we call the changing of the nature, the inside out. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around. But this is Jesus talking about the reason why he came. All right. Now, now watch this. How, now, stupid question. How many believe that Jesus is living inside of you? I'm going to even close my eyes. I don't want to see nobody's response. Amen. I, I promise you, I can't see. I, 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 I mean, I, I can, but I, I'm not looking. All right, put your hands down. All right. So you knew who you were, who reading. Y'all saw, y'all looking around too. I was doing this. I know, I just saw. So watch this. Here's what Jesus said. So this is the one who's living inside of you. Remember, we're human, we're spirit and flesh, right? Watch this. Verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Or the prophets, I have come to abolish, not, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Remember, what does it mean to fulfill? Bring you to a completion to show you why it exists. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will not be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness, listen, exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. God, now, oh, Jesus. Some of y'all missed that. He, he's saying, listen, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the, of the Pharisees and the law. Now, watch this. Why did he say that? Why is that significant? Because these were the people who kept the law. I do everything right. And what he was, uh, he was setting them up to say, you're doing everything right outwardly. But I came to do something Inwardly, because he would go on to say that these Pharisees they honor me and they worship me with their with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. It's like a tomb. So you're going through the motions, not understanding who is inside of you and what should be driving your actions. Where do you see that, Apostle? Ah, verse twenty-one. You have heard that it was said of the, those of old, you shall not murder. That's the outward sign. 
And whoever murders will be liable of judgment. Verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable for hell fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, mm -mm, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Oh Jesus. Verse 27, and you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Help us here, Holy Ghost. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, Jesus. What is he saying? Don't miss it. You have followed the law. I didn't kill him. Yeah, but, you're, but you were angry for no reason. We didn't sleep together, but whoa, but you took a 10 minute break in your mind, didn't you, bro? What is he saying? What is the bigger picture? What goes on in the spirit is just as real as what you do with your flesh. Why? Because I'm a human. <laughs> there is no separation. This is why when your body decays and dies, you still live. Because you are not your body. But you, but you need your body to be here on earth. So what you're doing with your spirit has impact what you do with your flesh. This is why sin makes you dumb. And not only makes you dumb, it makes you look old, makes you look bad, make, it gives you wrinkles prematurely. Makes, because your body is responding to its spirit. That's why he says he beautifies the meat with salvation. Right now, there's a funeral going on for Bishop uh, uh, Boone. That man was 98 years old. He was, a, he's, he was the grandfather of, of uh, my, my cousin and the father-in-law of my uncle. Right now, they're having the funeral. If you were to look at him, he looks like he's probably 66. But he passed away at 98. But he looks, I'm not exaggerating, like 30 years younger than what he was when he passed away. When you serve the Lord, you're going to look good. That's why I'm not dying until I'm how old he's seen? 130. And I'm going to look 60. Just be suspended. Just bam. Like, how old is he? Oh, he's 110. 110 months, 103 weeks. No, he's 110 years old. He said, all his teeth. Well, he lost all his teeth at 80, but he, he still look good. He still look good. Is this helping anybody? Is this helping anybody? All right. So let me keep going here. Lord, let me have time. Okay. Lord Jesus. I knew this was going to happen. Everyone say, a trap God. Everybody say, a trapped God. So this is what has happened. We have trapped God in the box of morality. Talking about I am revealed. I'm just talking about, we, we have trapped God in the box of morality. What do we mean by that? 
For some of us, I'm not going to ask, ask you to raise your hand, but for some of us, we grew up very law-oriented, and it made God the divine scorekeeper. Didn't sin today. I didn't cuss nobody out. I got 200 points. Right. I got out of bed, got to work, and I didn't lose my temper. Okay, I'm winning. Woo, hallelujah. I plan on fasting tomorrow because it's Wednesday till 4. So let me go ahead and get it in now till midnight. Because, you know, I, you know, I, the Bible says anoint your face, so I got to go to work with my little dab of oil right. at work tomorrow. <laughs> so, we have trapped God, listen, in the box of morality. And what happens when we do that is we engage him as a divine scorekeeper. Watch me. So, if I... So if I if I see him only as the person who is walking around with a clipboard making note of everything, I don't want to engage him. I just want to I just want to make sure I stay off of his bad side. I don't want to ask him what's on his heart. I, I just want to make sure I escape hell. I, I don't I don't want to say what do you want me to do because that would mean more dying to myself. So I'll just do what the bishop tells me to do. I'll just cross every T, I'll just dot every I, I'll just I'll just stay right in here in the safe zone. So we attract God in the box of morality. Now, some of you are saying, well, okay, that's good, but isn't he? Did I say go out and be a sinner? No. I did not say that God isn't in morality. I said he, we trap him there. Like, you got four bedrooms in your house. You got a bathroom. You got a kitchen. But if you, you, you don't just live in the kitchen, at least I hope you know. You don't have your bed in the kitchen, right? You don't have your toilet in the kitchen. There's different rooms for different purposes. But for some, we just live in that morality room. We, we, we just live there. Now, now why, why is that? And why, why am I saying this? Because watch this. Because, because what it'll birth is shame and condemnation and guilt. And if I see him that way, that's the way that I'm going to see myself. Watch this. And not only is that way, but I'm going to see you that same way as well. So I'm going to become a divine scorekeeper in your life. Well, you know, sister so-and-so, you know, that's that's her friend. I, they, they, you know. Can we look under your bed and see how many magazines you got under there? <laughs> Talk about I am revealed. Talk about a, a change in your nature. How we see God, how we see ourselves, how we see others. Because if we don't get a proper view of God. Listen, this is why he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we what? See him. 
We will what? Be God, you don't read the Bible. <laughs> what you say? We shall, we shall see him as he is. How many just think that's the, the rapture? Come on, get some deliverance. Come on, tell the truth. Do you in church? Come on, come on, come on, go. As soon as I can see him, I can be like him. I don't have to wait for the rest. Remember, I remember five minutes ago I turned around. How many got Jesus in you? So you Christopher raised his hand. My God bless my son. Amen. Praise God. Amen, Christopher. Amen. So why do I have to wait to die and see him? And watch this, watch this, well, let me help you. Because you ain't gonna see it with your natural eye anyway. Because if, I, if, I, if, if that means what we think it means in the rapture, we'll be dead. We're not gonna be here. So it obviously don't mean I'm gonna see him as he is. It means I gotta see a perspective of him. And once I see the perspective of him, then I can be like him because I'm gonna see him as he is. No man has seen God and lived that you're missing the point. That's not what he's talking about. I can see him in myself. <laughs> well, I am revealed. Everybody say, I am revealed. Because it was God's big idea to colonize the earth with himself. So we, we have to begin to see God in broader context. Everyone want to say fit, function, and flow. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, what, now, the, Lord asked me, well, he said, well, what is my fit function and flow? Y'all ready for this? No. God's fit or his awareness is everywhere. That is to say that whatever you find yourself, God is there. They're giving me hell on the job. That's why he sent you there. <laughs> my husband get on my nerves. Well, did he tell you to marry him? God's fit is everywhere. God's function or his whatness. <laughs> Watch this. Y'all ready? It's whatever. According to his word. It is his whatever. He does whatever he wants to do. According to his word. And his flow is his howness. And, his, and the howness is through you. That is to say, this is why we have fingerprints. Because God says, I'm going to be wherever I want to be. Do whatever I want to do. But I'm going to do it through you. Why? Because God is a respecter of his laws and his context and his word. I hope this is, this is making sense. So I started off in Genesis chapter 1 saying that God always creates an environment and an atmosphere and a context before he creates the thing that will occupy it, right? 
So now he says, I got to fill the earth with my glory, put my kids everywhere, do whatever I want to do. But how I accomplish it is through myself, through you. That's how I am is revealed is allowing yourself, listen, to find your fit. Find where you're supposed to be. Be equipped on how you're supposed to do it or what you're supposed to do once you get there. That's how God gets glory. What? Intent satisfied. What was he intending for? I'm still not where I want to be. So, so, so watch this. The anatomy of God. I, I'm trying to, now I'm trying to get you to see that there should be no separation between you and God. Jesus said, I and my father are what? One. Atonement. Act one. Meant. <laughs> where do we see this in scripture? There's so many places in the scripture we see, we see the anatomy of God. Second Chronicles 19 or 16 and 9 for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro first Peter chapter 5 verse 6 uh, 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 humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God uh, Isaiah 40 and verse 5 the mouth of the Lord has spoken it uh, 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 Psalms 34 15 the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward their cry what am I sharing with you you and I were created in his image we have shared attributes. Stop looking for God outside of yourself. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment. Stop looking for God outside of yourself. For in him we live, we move, we have our being. We say that, but what does that mean? What, do we believe it? For your life has been hidden in Christ. For you have been seated with him in heavenly places. Did you, did you come out of heavenly places because you got mad? Are you hearing me? We, I, I'm, I'm trying to help you to be reconciled to your confession and what you believe and what you live out. So that the I am in you can be revealed. Either you believe it or you don't. I love that. He said either you are a feeler or a believer. And if you are a feeler, you are going down. Because you feel 10 flavors of irritation in a week. I just, I just feel like, you know, you know, when you said that, that really kind of hurt my feelings. Did you consider you were in your feelings before I said that? Did, did you consider that maybe I was having a bad day before you chose to be offended? Did you consider how you made God feel when he told you to pray and you didn't? You deep. No, I'm, I'm as deep as you are shallow. 
I'm talking about raising the bar. I am revealed. If, if, if he's in you, act like it. And see, some of y'all, some of y'all heard holiness. I ain't talking about that exclusively. I'm not, I'm not talking about just living right, whatever that means. I will say more. Thank you. This is my conference, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to kill this cow. And let me just say this. For those of you who don't know me, I was raised in church, a four-generation pastor. Uh, I was a pew baby. So I, I know from whence I speak. And I speak from whence I know. Every Sunday, if you've been down in his name, Put down sin, live right, heaven belongs to you. You know, Dr. Tissa was talking about, I said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do all that. She sounded good when she did that, didn't she? I'm like, you can do it all right. Anyway, if I ever do that, y'all know a demon has gotten a hold of my voice box. Anyway, that Anyway, listen, so, so we hear all of this moral type of doctrinal preaching every week. Hear me, and listen, I have a school of ministry, I believe in living right, I believe in all that, blah, 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 blah. but that's not God entirely. That's a small part of him. And watch this, the holiness part, we can't live out. Telling myself, they're gonna laugh at me. I remember when I was in third grade, I remember this. I got saved in 1990. You know, and I, that was a time where you got scared into in church. You know, so at any moment, he's coming like a thief in the night, coming in twinkling of an eye. So I was, I, I was told that if I'm thinking about him, he can't come. I told you they're gonna laugh at me. So I told myself, I'm just going to think about Jesus all day long. And I'm going to just say hallelujah in my head all day. It's the truth. So I'm in third grade. I thought I was a pew baby. So I'm like, Jesus, just walk around my head. Jesus, Jesus, anymore he's about to come back. I'm about to go to heaven. Jesus, I didn't have a good, I didn't have a bad thought. I didn't have a bad, Jesus, Jesus. And then I realized, oh, I hadn't been thinking about him. He could have come. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't leave me out there. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I came to realize, what if I was probably doing something I probably shouldn't have been doing? Or thinking something that I probably shouldn't have been thinking. And all of a sudden, Jesus come back. So am I eternal? So I had to understand that my holiness, air quotes, was not depending exclusively upon my efforts. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. 
There's no amount of righteousness that you and I can perform to live up to the standards of God. That's no way to live anyway. The joy of your salvation. What about peace? What about I come to give you life and that more abundantly? How are you experiencing life in abundance in fear? You can't. So I'm doing all this, then why did Jesus even die on the cross? Okay, I'm back. So I said all of that. Listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring you out of religion. But what about living? Listen, once you see him, you want to live right. Once you understand who you are, you want to please him. Y'all don't hear me. Once, once you've been freed in your mind, you think, wow, there's a whole other world to explore. I don't have to fornicate. I don't have to get high. I don't have to get drunk. I don't have to lie. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to steal. I don't have to do any of these things that were tempting me because I find my sufficiency in him. And I don't need you scaring me back into the church every week. Just bump somebody and say, get them out of the box. Oh, oh, Jesus, I feel like preaching right here. Just tell somebody, say, get, it, get, out, get him out of the box. Say, say, get him out of the box. He's not just the God of your morality. He's the God of creativity. He's not just the God who's trying to get you out of hell. He's the God that's trying to get you an abundant life here on earth. He's not the God. I am revealed. He wants to be revealed in your heart first. Your nature has to change so that your behavior changes. See, we've gotten so caught up in Christianity being a behavior change, a behavior-based system that we got these hypocrites and these people phony and acting because they're trying to live up to your expectations and your standards and your minute book instead of being changed from the inside out. A dog is not trying to be a dog. He is what he is. A cat meows innately because the voice box does that. Y'all hearing me? A fish swims because it understands if I get out of this water, I'm dead. So watch this. So a child of God lives in his presence <laughs> because if I get out of his presence, I'm dead. I was designed to be in his presence. I was in him. I live. I move. I have my being. I am who I am. Watch this. By the grace of God. Oh God. You know what the apostle Paul said? He said, I was the chiefest of sinners. I'm about to run around this building. He said, I persecuted the church. I killed y'all. But he said, I can stand here and write this letter to you because I'm not standing in my own merits. I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was blameless and touching the law. But all that stuff was dung. I want to win him. I want to know him. I got to press toward the mark so that I can be revealed in him so I can 
stand here in my apostleship by the grace of God. Not because I've earned it. Oh, not because I've never made a mistake. Not because I'm trying to live up to your expectations. But it's the grace of God that is empowering me to reveal God to you. It is the grace of God that is strengthening me to show you who you are. It is the grace of God. Just lift your hands. I come against the spirit of condemnation. I come against the spirit of religion. I come against the spirit of an identity crisis. You don't have to live up to the expectations of men. You have to live up to the expectations of your identity. You don't have to give an account necessarily to anybody else other than the Father. Be free from that. Be free from that. Be free from that. Come on, be Come, I cut the bands from around your legs. I cut the bands from around your throat. I cut the bands from around your arms. I cut the bands that is restricting you. I bind the spirit that is trying to put the fire, the spirit of Python and religion that is keeping you bound. Come on, give him some praise right there. Come on, 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 come on. I said, give him praise. I said, give him praise. I said, give him praise. Hey, hey. How many millionaires would be in the church if you were told it's okay to make money? How many millionaires would be in church if you were told it's a worship to go start a business? How many of us would be doing so much better if we said, God, here am I, show me who you are? Hey. Issue Oh God, come on, stay right there. Come on, stay. I feel something right there. Come on, stay right. Come on, stay right there. Your heart is being healed. Your mind is being regulated. You have all sorts of cognitive dissonance. You're trying to figure out where to go, what to do. But the Lord says, listen, if you are a fish, stay in the water. So, oh God, I'm about to get in trouble here. If you are going to live in the presence that I've designed for you to live in, some of you got to stop going back to those dead, dry places, trying to find water in a dried up well. Oh God. Well, what are they gonna say if I leave? Who gives a flying flip? Your destiny is more important than their opinions. Whoa, 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 whoa. What am I about? What, what's gonna happen if? Who cares? It's none of your it's none of their business, and it's really none of yours. You just be obedient to the Father. He'll take care of the rest. But, but I don't want to be talked about. Well, get over it. Because the servant is no greater than his master. So if Jesus was persecuted, talked about, who in the world do you think you are going to be? Oh, you're going to be talked about. You're going to be. In fact, you should be afraid if you never have persecution. Wow. 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 
When's the last time you pissed your friends off because you told them no? Oh, God. When was the last time you were called holier than thou because you made a better quality decision? When was the last time your friends got mad at you, your family got mad at you because you stood for righteousness? I didn't say you were self-righteous. I didn't say you were snooty. I said you stood up for who you were and they did not, oh, they did not agree. Suffering is a part of it. Oh, Jesus. Can I help you here? Because remember, we're, we're humans. And a part of our physicality has weaknesses. Don't be condemned because you're in an earth suit. Just, just. But we walk not according to the flesh. Your flesh innately has desires. You get hungry. You get the other H word. You get all kinds of stuff coming inside of you. Not because that is a part of your nature. That is a part of the equipment that you live in. But I'm trying to help you to understand that greater is he that lives inside of you than the earth suit that you live in. So that's where the suffering comes from. Because... We're happy to make accommodations for and having to cast down and having to deal with the idiosyncrasies of this flesh. I'm saying like this. I don't care if you have bought the most expensive car there is, the $8 million car, the Bugatti Barone. I, 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 yes, Lord, I receive. Now, listen, my, my point is you can drive it until your heart's content, but guess what? You still have to put some gas in it. You, you can drive it, you can floss, but guess what? After a while, you still gonna have to get some oil changes. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that the car is bad or the engine is bad. It means that there are innately some weaknesses attached to that vehicle. So don't be condemned because you have to heal or maintain or, or recognize, hey, greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. This flesh is in the world. I can't see your spirit. I see your body. So the greater one is inside of you to be exemplified through your body. He says we are no longer debtors to sin. So you don't owe your flesh anything. Well, I'm just keeping it real. This is how I feel. Who cares? You don't live by how you feel. Real is really what you cannot see because real is what keeps going. Your body gets 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 tired, gets fat, gets skinny, gets gray, gets old. That's not the real you. Keeping it real is keeping it him. <laughs> That's keeping it real because all because the. Because you can get a weave, you can get colored eye contacts, you can get a whole nother wardrobe now, you can change your sex, you can do all that stuff. At the end of the day, God's going to say, now I called you a this when before you was born. Now I need you to give an account for who I called you to be. Well, you know, I, I did this and I did that. Who are you being who I called you to be? Oh, Jesus. Where am I at? Oh, Jesus. I'm, 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 let, me, let me hurry up here. Everyone say, I am revealed. I am revealed. 
Quickly, let's go to last night's text. Exodus chapter 3. Help us, Jesus. Just want to just revisit this and touch this really quickly. My time is gone. Because we have service in three hours. Let me hurry up here. I want you to just see this. He says... He promises them some things. I was going to give you the land that flows with milk and honey. And he says, Moses, I need you to tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. That word, that translation there in the, in the Hebrew, I am that I am, literally translates to become, to exist, to happen, to be instituted, to be established. In other words, he says, I, I will become what I need to become to accomplish what needs to be done. God is saying to all of us, I will become what I need to become in your life to accomplish my goal for your life. I'm trying to help you. Well, how come they didn't go through what I went through? Because they didn't need to go through what you went through. Well, how come it's easy for them and it's hard for me? Because God meticulously designed your life and your plan to get the glory out of your life. Because if he gave you their blueprints, you couldn't handle it. And if you gave, you got, if they got yours, they couldn't handle it. I'm almost done. Everyone say, I am. I'm going to give you this acronym. I write down next to it, innovation. Bishop Nelson did an excellent job dealing with this. I'm going to just touch on this. I'm trying to help you to live I, I, I am revealed life. I is for innovation. What does it mean to innovate? It means to introduce something new. To make or to make changes in something established. In the Greek, Jesus, and, and, and Bishop Nelson touched on this, but he didn't have the, the Greek word for it. But the Bible describes Jesus as the carpenter's son. And in America, when we think carpenter, we think of somebody who exclusively works with wood, right? But in the Greek, that word is tekton, where we get the word technology, which means that this individual who is a tekton is able to work with various different types of materials. Bishop Jason had it, but he just didn't have the word. But, but it literally means somebody who is able to build and fashion something with various materials. So a carpenter, in the sense of the way that it was understood then, is an artisan or somebody who can form or fashion something, not just make a, a, a wooden stove or whatever, okay? But it means to innovate, it means to build, okay? Number two is attitude. The A is attitude, okay? You want to say attitude. Our attitude is the, the emotions and the actions made visible expressing the inner dialogue of our hearts or, or our thoughts. So your attitude is the, is the disposition that you and I have that is a reflection of what's going on in our mind. You ever gotten an attitude with somebody and then you found out that they didn't do what you thought they did and you felt stupid for having an attitude with them? Y'all looking down. You had an attitude because of what you thought. And you thought 
what you thought because you were not fully informed. So you displayed an attitude, right? If we're going to display the I amness of God, our attitude and our disposition has to be that of Jesus Christ. Okay? Don't have time to deal with it. I'm going to say attitude. attitude. Just tell somebody you need an attitude adjustment. Some of y'all got mad just, just by hearing that. No, I don't. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, hello. The M is the mentality. Reference St. John chapter 5, verses 19, 20, and 30. Don't have time to deal with it, but. The mentality is the set of attitudes, perspectives, and views in your mind. The mentality is the set of attitudes, perspectives, and views in your mind. Okay? Attitude, or your mentality is built over time. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. An I am that I am lifestyle is a life lived in the innovation the attitude and the mentality of the great I am. That is to say that our actions, thoughts, dispositions are the place in which he resides so that he can be revealed. I'll say that again. That is to say that our actions, our thoughts, and our dispositions are the place in which he resides so that he can be revealed. That's what living an I am that I am lifestyle is. That God is saying, I am. And then we say back to him, I am that I am. He says, I am. And you say, I am that I am. He says, I am, and we say, I am that I am. <laughs> Some of y'all catch that on Keystone. He says, I am, and we say, I am that I am. <laughs> I reflect, I bounce back, I mirror who he is. My thoughts don't belong to me. My attitude doesn't belong to me. My money doesn't belong to me. My life does not belong to me. It is all found within the context of him. So whatever I see in him, I can live that out. Everyone stand to your feet. I am that I am. I am that I am.